Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dad Pod Season 3 Beyond Sleeping In. Osher Ginsberg and Charlie Clawson here with Episode 2, The Big Day, uh, Part 1. The Big Day. <laughs> it is a big day and there are really sort of two parts to this. So we decided we're going to spread this over two episodes. So this is the early labour stages yeah. of giving birth. Pre-labour. Not the hospital yet, pre-labour. Labor. Yeah, because there's the, the, the two very separate things. But if you've never been around kids or, or, or people who are pregnant or, you know, the child coming into the world, you may just believe what you've seen on movies, which is, honey, the baby's coming, mad drive to the hospital, wah, you know, it's over in 42 seconds. But that's really not how it works, is it, Charlie? I, no, I think I've talked on, on previous episodes how a lot of my anxiety around uh, having a kid was based on the idea of what it's going to be like when I'm seeing my partner in labor. And I, I got to the point where I was so anxious about it, I went and saw my, my therapist and I was saying to her, you know, like, because it's all the screaming and the, and, the, and the stress and the doctors yelling and stuff. I just don't know how I'm going to handle that. And she was like, hang on. So have you actually seen childbirth before? And I was like, well, in the movies. And she's like, yeah, but you realize in the movies, they're just showing you the most dramatic version of what childbirth is, is because it's entertainment. It's meant to be like engrossing. And I was like, I never actually thought of that. And when you do some of these, you know, whether it's calm birth or, or any of these uh, childbirth classes, often they will show you videos of people who are having home births or people in birth centers. And it can be a really kind of placid, calm experience. Like there's a lot of physical effort going on on the part of the mother, but it's not what you see in the movies. That I can assure you. You're absolutely right, which is kind of why we wanted to make this podcast because I know my my head was kind of really twisted when I realized that as well, Charlie, and I, I totally get that because I was worried about that as, as well. A bit later in the show, we're going to be hearing from Dave Thornton, comedian, radio and TV superstar. He's going to tell us what it was like when he was early labouring with his two kids. So today we want to talk about pre-labour and I was trying to think of what's an analogy to differentiate between pre-labour and labour because they're two very different things. And I came up with this, let me know how you think it is. Say you've got to move house, right? Mm -hmm. Pre-labour is the part where you're packing everything into the boxes and all your stuff has moved into the boxes, but you're still inside your house, all right? You can't do anything except eat off the one plate and one fork you've left out, but that's the pre-labor and labor is the delivery men are here. Let's do it. So you're actually moving house. The preparation part of a big day that's on the way, but it's the early stages of it, at which you can, you know, there's a few things that start pre-labor, which is basically the body going, okay, here we go. And, you know, obviously this, some of them start weeks, if not months earlier, and the first of those would be Braxton Hicks, which are the woman's body kind of working the muscles, just doing some reps, getting those gains in, uh, <laughs> trying to get those muscles getting ready to, to push things out. And we certainly had that. Audrey had some Braxton Hicks, and this is not medical advice. I want to tell you this straight away, but uh, as we spoke on previous episodes before, we had a few false starts and one of the techniques that they taught us to differentiate if it was Braxton Hicks or actual contractions was to take some Panadol. And if the pain broke through the Panadol, that was a contraction. If the Panadol made the pain go away, Braxton Hicks. 
One thing that you uh, will also notice, definitely uh, uh, this happened with Gemma and I, is that the, uh, the belly drops as you're getting closer to the delivery date. For the mother, it can actually be quite a relief because suddenly she can breathe a bit easier, sleep a bit easier, eat more comfortably. But the analogy I used, and this didn't go down well <laughs> at the time, Mosh, was remember Mr. Men mm. and there was Mr. Greedy and he had that gut oh that sort of protruded God. out and sort of straight in front of him? Well, your wife goes from like uh, looking like a, the, the, the belly's up here to looking like Mr. Greedy. It sits nice and low, ready to deliver. But for Jen, it was really about the sleeping. Like she actually was getting to sleep a, a bit better because the baby was moving away from those vital organs and getting ready to go into the birth canal. Another thing that you can sort of get for your wife to sort of help through this period is like a, a, a pillow, like one of those kind of uh, snuggle pillows that she can put between her legs because there's a lot of weight going down there. There is a yeah. baby that's about to come out of here and so lying on your side with the pillow between your legs can be a real be of real assistance. I remember the days before Roderick gave birth to Wolfgang, she changed shape twice. Her silhouette, right. as you're describing, her silhouette was completely different <laughs> twice during the same day. And I, I even remember when she went... <gasps> Oh, wow. So what was that? She goes, I just took a full breath for the first time in about six months <laughs> because suddenly the, the feet are, uh, you know, no longer kicking up on her, on her lungs. But, yeah, hopefully baby's turned around. So baby's now head down, feet up, uh, ready to go. And there'll be a lot of hormonal changes in the mother of your child. One of those hormonal changes is a magnificently named hormone. I do believe it's called relaxin. Is that, is that the name of it? Let me just do, do check my notes here. I don't know. That sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Relaxicus. It, it, it really does, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it's called the hormone's called relaxin, and it starts to loosen up the ligaments preparing for birth. I'm here to warn you, and I'm here to tell you, the ligaments aren't the only things that get loose. So there will be farting, there will be diarrhea, just letting you know, because relaxin works on everything, uh, not just the ligaments, but that's fine. Another thing you might notice too is like this kind of seesawing burst of energy and then fatigue because I assume the hormones are doing the same thing where, you know, um, your partner might be in that nesting mode where she's staying up till 10 p.m. cleaning and, and wiping things down. But then when she needs to sleep, she needs to sleep hard. So you've got to remember as well, you know, this is almost nine months of carrying this child around and this is right at the very end. So my memory of Jem in that last kind of month was very much... I'm ready to go. Like everything was just like, um, I feel like this is as far as it's going to go. I have a little burst of energy here, but the rest of the time, psychologically, she's ready to drop a baby. Yeah, absolutely. And um, do you remember wait, waiting and like those moments where you're kind of looking at each other going, is this it? Is, is this it? Yeah. Is is this it? What about, what about now? Did you remember? Do you remember feeling tense? Do you remember feeling anxious around that time? I think because you guys had had your baby a month before, and I'd spoken to you quite a bit about it, and also talking with our doula, we were sort of very aware of the Braxton Hicks uh, mirage, and so Jen was very intuitive about it. Like she got Braxton Hicks about I remember it was about three weeks beforehand. It was very mild, which was kind of like her introduction to what this is pre labor will feel like, and then in about. Four or five days leading up to it, it was more intense, Braxton Hicks. And I think last week I mentioned we did uh, we decided to do a trial run to the hospital. We sort of, yeah. in our hearts, we knew this was not the real thing, but we thought, why not treat this as like a dress rehearsal? And so we got in the car, went to the hospital, got told to go home. <laughs> we, knew, yeah. we knew that was going to happen. But we felt like, you know, now we're going to be ready for it. I mean, look, every person is different, but I feel like 
the mother will know the difference mm. between the two. Yeah. On that, and only because I saw it happen two or three times, if you do need any kind of incentive to not go to the hospital early, bear in mind that the way that they check if you're in actual labour or not is to check how dilated the mother of your child is. So it's an examination that involves a set of gloves. So if you don't feel like you're ready for that sort of thing, stay home. Like it's very, it's a very hard thing. Stay home as long as possible is what, you, what you're told. But to stay home as, lo- as long as possible is, is a really hard thing to do, particularly once the actual contractions start. And they can be a long time apart they can be 10 minutes, 20 mm. minutes apart at first. And they're really intense when they start and they just mm. get more intense. So, you know, you're starting to see how the, the body is preparing as it's pulsing its way to, to getting the baby ready to be delivered. And that can be quite, I don't want to use the word pain because that's not a word. It can be intense, can be an intense mm. experience. Did you use any like uh, massage or uh, acupressure or anything like that, Charlie? Yeah, so we did a couple of yoga classes. I guess you'd call it like prenatal yoga classes to work out some techniques to help with um, taking the weight off Jem. Jeez, I can't remember what they're called now, but there's one that's shaking the tree and polishing the apple. They all <laughs> had strange kind of names, all to do with like taking the taking the load off the belly and taking the load off the hips. But yeah, we used there was a certain massage around the lower back. Jen would get on all fours and sort of get into child, uh, almost into child's pose and I would massage her back. The polishing the apple, it's uh, you have like a, a sarong or a scarf and so Jen would be on all fours and you gently put the scarf under the belly and you just sort of gently rotate it and it feels quite nice on the abdomen. And then the TENS machine is the other thing that we used. I mean, the TENS machine got a thorough workout in that last seven days prior to labor because- I, I've had a TENS machine. When I did my MCL, I used one. It was the greatest thing ever. I didn't know that it's the sort of thing you can use for labor. Yeah. Yeah. I actually ended up, I had a sore knee. <laughs> and so I put the TENS machine onto my leg. I mean, essentially for people wondering what it is, it's a small electrical pulse. Like if you've ever gone to a physiotherapist, sometimes they will use that to get the muscle twitching. I think what it does is it it loosens the muscles, but it also is a distraction because you've got this pulsing around the parts of the, the body that are locked up. And for Jem, it was like an absolute godsend, you know, especially when she got to labor proper, the TENS machine was the thing that was really sort of taking her mind off it. Um, but it's also good to, before even you're having your Braxton Hicks to do a trial run with the TENS machine and work out what levels yeah. you're going to go to because the last thing you want to do is whack on those pads and crank it up to 11. Yeah. I remember well, you, you mentioned that a particular child's pose massage, there was a few points uh, exactly that, that Audrey would be in a, you know, she's carrying what, however many kilos of baby and then however much fluid as well, plus the, the weight of her body. Her lower back is, is not having a great t- amount of time. And there were these two points on her sacrum that if I just dug my thumbs into them, like hard, she was like, oh, mm. finally. <laughs> I'm like, this should yeah. really be hurting you. <laughs> like my body weight is in these things. So don't be afraid. Your, your partner will tell you when you're pushing too hard, but you'd be surprised how much the body at that point will respond to massage or, or acupressure. And we, we personally, we found the acupressure to be really, really quite handy. Now, this is, the, this is all if the baby is ready to come, but there are sometimes, mm. particularly if it's your first baby, the baby's like, no, I'm staying. I don't want to come out. No, nah, it's comfy. Why would I? Yeah. It's great in here. Yeah, everything done. 
<laughs> don't have to breathe. Things are great. So there may be some, everyone's going to tell you what's going to help get the baby out. And there's a couple of myths around this, Charlie. Uh, people may have heard that nipple stimulation can induce labor. Yep. Doesn't. Not true. Bugger. Drinking castor oil, like you're a naughty person what? in a Dickens novel, uh, doesn't bring on labor. <laughs> um, eating spicy food doesn't bring on labor. Brings on movement, bowel movement, <laughs> but not labor. The, the one thing that, I don't know if it's a myth or the only thing that's got any credence at all is having sex will hopefully bring labor on because when they actually induce you in labor, they, they basically give uh, the, the mum a synthetic version of prostaglandin and prostaglandin is, uh, <laughs> is a hormone that is present in semen. Yes. Basically. I have very first-hand experience of being told about this. We were at a family gathering, an intimate, you know, Audrey Griffin family gathering, which is like 25 to 32 people, just gigantic. I'm sure it's the same with the Glawson family, with all of your brothers and sisters. And um, Audrey was very, very, very pregnant. And our, our cousin's dad, he just said, he turned to me and said, I'll tell you what's going to get that out, mate. Prostaglandin. And I went, oh, okay, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. And then his mum turns to me and she says to me, she took me aside. She took me out aside. And this is a, like a lovely kind of lower North Shore tennis mum, Charlie. Then she took me aside. She grabbed me by the shoulder and said, now just don't forget what got the baby in is going to get the baby out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Bang the baby out. Thank you. <laughs> While having sex might be a good way to bring the baby on, <laughs> there is another uh, method that people might not be aware of, which Gemma used to really good effect, which is acupuncture. Oh. There's quite a, a few places you can go to get acupuncture, which apparently I don't know how the meridian system works. I don't claim to be an expert in this, <laughs> but it worked for Gem and she recommended it to many friends since then. And so in those last couple of weeks leading up to labor, you, you may want to get some massage, some gentle massage. And with that, you can also get some acupuncture, which apparently is proven to um, bring on baby time. Fantastic. Well, I guess, you know, you just What's that movie, Hidden Figures, where they're trying to start up the big IBM machine? And, you know, they're just, you know, there's all these like 400 things you've got to do in the right order. I, I guess, you know, the, the, her body is a lot like that, the, you know, the body of your, the mother of your child. They have mm. to wait for the right amount of things to be there for birth to take place. And, um, and if those switches aren't on, then, you know, this, it's great to know that there's ways to help those switches get turned on. For some, well, for some women too, it's the idea of they want to avoid uh, being induced if possible. So yeah. if there are natural ways that you can bring on the contractions, then most women will want to pursue that. And so the holistic approach is sometimes uh, really suitable in that instance. Yeah. Or, you know, you can have all those things and then have what happened to us where we just... Go on a trampoline. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Audrey, um, it certainly happened with Wolfie, but we'll talk about that when we get to the labor episode, which will be next time. So I guess basically what we're saying is the pre-labor stage, once it's there, it's on but it's not the main show. It's the support band, but you've got to be there and make sure everything is going to stay okay and as hard as you can, try and stay home as long as possible. If the contractions get anywhere between three and five minutes apart, yeah, maybe it's time to jump in the car. That's probably about it. But if they're no closer than that, then stay at home. Home is the best place you can be because you have to remember if you transition 
you're transitioning the, the the stress of getting in the car, the stress of getting to the hospital, the stress of getting up the elevator. All those things can trigger a, a adrenal response, and that turns off the oxytocin, and that can stop labour absolutely in its tracks. So be really, really mindful of when you do go. And you can always call the ward. You can always call the switchboard and talk to the midwives and say, this is where we are. This is what's happening. I do remember, Charlie, that didn't that happen to you and didn't wasn't one of the techniques that they used to tell you, yeah, now's the time is by listening to the sounds that your wife made? Yeah. So our doula, Jem started laboring, early laboring uh, about 2 or 3 a.m. And so we got up and Around about 7 a.m. when the contractions were getting close together and more intense, that's when we decided to call the doula. And there's a scene in Gone in 60 Seconds where uh, Angelina Jolie and Nicolas Cage and Robert Duvall sit around and they listen to the revs of engines and from the revs they can tell what model car it is and what size engine it is. That's what the doula was like with Jem's breathing and the sounds she was making. She could tell at what stage of labour she was at and she could listen to Jem. She's like, you're fine to stay at home. You don't need to go to the hospital right now. I'll just make her some tea, just relax, bit of massage, bit of TENS machine. I'll be around in the next hour or so. And it was very reassuring to know that, okay, the sound – it wasn't like Gemma was feeling like she had to go to the hospital, but we just wanted that, you know, that second opinion. And you bring up a really good point because you're going to see your partner making noises – and contorting in ways that you've never seen them do before. And of course you're like, oh shit, it's on, it's on, it's on. It's like, it's not on, it's not on. Stay at home amongst your things, your favorite pillows, your own shower, your own toilet, stay there as long as you can. But of course, if there's any bleeding or if there's anything, any abnormal pain, get on the phone and of course get to the hospital. Charlie, our guest dad this week, comedian, TV, radio superstar, Dave Thornton. Hello, Dave. How are you? Yeah, good, Charlie. How are you, mate? Good, good. We're here with uh, me and Osh. Hey, Osh. How are you, brother? Thanks for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. If you're wondering why Osh is speaking in hushed tones, he has a sleeping baby yeah. at the moment. So don't think it's like low energy Osh. It's just no, uh, I'm really new. excited to have you on the show, Dave. But <laughs> since we started recording, the baby has since started his nap. So now I'm, I'm kind of in nap mode. Mate, I feel you. We literally, uh, my two-year-old has, uh, as of 15 minutes ago, she cracked on the dinner table. <laughs> uh, we cleaned all that up, put her on the toilet, and then it, she due for her nap, so she was having a hissy fit. We try to get her in a nappy. I've literally handed her over to my partner, and now I'm on the pod with you guys. <laughs> you so, know, Iona, uh, the other day, crapped in her high chair, which was a first. She stood up in her high chair, was not wearing a nappy, and did a massive poo. And it was like, wow, I'm not angry. I'm impressed. The balance to be able to get that and land it perfectly in the bottom of your high chair. <laughs> That's talent. Yeah. It really is incredible. And it's amazing how much poo you will just go through and witness and clean up <laughs> when you're a young father. It is incredible. It's frightening. I'm lucky, Dave, is that, you know, we've said this on the show all the time. I'm grateful that I've had dogs for a couple of years now to just kind of get used to every different flavor, size, taste, consistency of shit. <laughs> how many times a day? So by the time you get to your own baby shit, you're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> This shit doesn't smell like the rancid entrails of whatever I picked up from a butcher. The one uh, poo, I know, I don't look, I don't want to make this the poo hour, but uh, the one poo that we haven't quite mastered, maybe you two dads can give me some advice here, is the one in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. Like, how do you get that one out? Is it a sieve? Is that the best way? 
Oh, mate, I, you know, I've got a story with this. Yeah. And we, it looks like it is turning into the poo hour, guys, unfortunately. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but, and I will try to keep this brief, but I remember one time my partner, she headed out. She wanted to go to the gym after work. And I was like, of course, I'll put him in the bath. It would be fine. And I, I put the girls in the bath. My youngest then did poo. She pooed in the bath. I had to get the two out. I then had to drag them into the shower to obviously wash them off and see that it was all okay. They then got out. I got out. Uh, my eldest then said, I need to go for a poo. And I'm like, all right. So I put her on the toilet. So she's waiting for me. My youngest then walks in and the eldest goes, oh, she's got poo on her heel. And I went, oh, no, I hadn't washed that off. No, no, no. She then crapped again, walked it all down the hallway. Yes. Walked into this. So then I'm back in the shower with the young one again while the oldest is still on the toilet screaming at me going, Daddy, I've finished. You need to wipe me. And I'm like, I just can't do it. And then I, I came out. There's poo all over it. And then um, my back was actually playing up as well. So that wasn't good for anyone. Nikki comes home and I actually then slipped on it. Excellent. In the hallway when I was trying to clean it up. So I'm laying there like a turtle. Like on its back, just going, what is happening? It was horrendous. Yeah. And that's that really underlines that, no, honey, really, you go to the gym. I've got this. <laughs> Incompetence in choose. <laughs> now, Dave, we've been talking about the lead up to giving birth. Uh, episode, season three of Dad Pod is all about birth and onwards. But we're talking about the pre laboring. So, when your wife starts having contractions that aren't here comes the baby, but it's the start of here comes the baby. Can you tell us a little bit about how you guys handled that sort of early labor? Were you at home? How long did you stay at home? Mate, my, because I've got a four year old and a two year old, and they were both very different. Now, first, I, this was two weeks before she was due, and everyone says that the first child is notoriously late on the due date. And this, so this was two weeks before the due date. I was pretty confident that nothing was going to happen. Went out for dinner with friends, had a bit of wine, bit of steak. I wasn't too far gone, but I probably couldn't drive. And then I get home, and my partner's like, oh, I've just wet myself. And I'm like, you haven't. You're an adult, and it's 10.30 at night. That's your water breaking. And it then started like a 14-hour escapade of, you know, the labour and going in because the hospital's just around the corner from us. So driving in, your good, head home, doing that, going back and forth and me trying to like going through an actual hangover in the whole process of pre-labour. So it was an arduous journey, but the second was hilarious because, dang, it was the due date. Nikki woke me up at three in the morning. And <laughs> was like, oh, this is nice. You know, let's just really savor this moment. And Yana, a second, came on like a rocket. Like Nikki was just like, okay, I think we need to go now. And I joked with her that she was making noises like like a dying camel. She was just stopping and going, and I'm like, okay, can we get in the car? Get in the car. And it was just sheer blind fury. And then three hours later, we have a child in our hands. We uh, did. We did discuss. We talked about the noises that your partner makes and the differentiation between, you know, the pre-labor and when the contraction is a little further apart and when it's actually serious business. And it's, it can be quite confronting because you've never seen your partner in that kind of state before, dealing with that kind of intensity. What did it feel like for you to see someone that you love, someone that you care about, going through this level of physical intensity? Yeah, I mean, 
my partner is also she's unbelievable like that. Like she has the mental fortitude of, of like a superior athlete in all walks of life. She's got an unbelievable fortitude for pain and, and for putting up with whoever, be it her partner or whatever. And yeah, seeing her in pain and she didn't she hasn't taken drugs. She's never taken drugs through the labor. But I was willing to buckle straight out of the gate. I was like, get into it. Take whatever you need. Get yourself out of this pain. But she just pushed through and I felt really helpless. So how did you how did you best support her even when you're feeling that way? How did you support her around, you know, because she's going to look to you to be like, all right, someone's going to have to have their hands on the wheel here. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I mean, being a stand-up comedian, there was nothing <laughs> in my professional career that can help. There was nothing in that capacity. You weren't that you didn't think some knock-knock jokes would uh, help her through this this very intense physical pain. <laughs> yeah. I uh you know, there are very large differences between men and women, yeah. and they're blatantly obvious right now. <laughs> Guys, because I was I was trying my best. I mean, Nikki, bless her cotton socks. I remember she she wanted the labor room to be set up with certain things, you know, things that her sister had given her and her friends had given her, just as she said, to make her feel comfortable. And she said she watched me after the first few contractions trying to set it up in the labor room, and she's just like, what are you doing? Like, you're trying to work out the fang shui while I am just in <laughs> agonizing pain. And she said it was kind of sweet, but kind of, come on, mate, there's more important things afoot. And, you know, I just wrote her between holding her hands, getting her into the bath, getting her back into the table, whatever was making her feel more comfortable. But, yeah, that first kid, you know, it was 14 hours, guys. I was struggling to stay awake. I don't know how she was. Did you practice any sort of massage techniques or anything like that? We did. We tried a little bit. But it really was the contractions were going on for a while with long breaks in between, and it was just a very, very long labour. I mean, we had a rotation of midwives coming in who were unbelievably good, and the doctor kept trying to push to get some assistance, you know, to kind of help our eldest one along. But they just kept checking the, her heartbeat, and it was fine. It was just my Frida was just taking her goddamn time, right. which now that I've known her for four years, it makes complete sense. But <laughs> at the time, it really, it really was just getting through it. Because did you not find for you guys the not knowing when it ends? I always said, like, you know, we're all into sport. You know how long a game is going to be. Mm. Labor, you're just like, I don't know, this could be a five-day test. Or this could be, yeah. you know, two hours. Could be a 2020. It was funny. With Gemma, we had a doula who was there. She sort of came five or six hours into sort of pre-labor. And at one point, I think, you know, I was with Gem on the couch rubbing her back. We had the TENS machine going and she was just exhausted. And I remember Gem sort of collapsing into my arms and being like, I can't do it. I'm just, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And the doula being very calm and supportive and saying, that's fine. Like your first kid, it's going to be a long labor. Sometimes it can take up to 48 hours for your first kid. And Jem just being like, fuck that. And she was straight up onto her feet and she starts marching up and down the hallway and doing these power squats going, get out of me, get out of me. She was, she was not going to go 48 hours. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. I absolutely love that story. Uh, Dave, what would you say to men or women who are watching their their partner go through this pre-labor at home? Because as, as you both mentioned, you know, there's points where the contractions are quite far apart. Is the temptation to be like, well, the snacks are on, the thing's like, should we watch an episode of Shit's Creek? Like, <laughs> like how do you pass the time? Yeah. Like even now that I'm, I'm trying to recollect what we were doing. I mean, it was for us in the middle of the night. So we were both extremely tired. Like it went from 10.30 p.m. till 
you know, midday the next day. And so we were just so dead tired. There wasn't any time for, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Do you maybe want to finish out the crown? Do we want to knock that on the head? Like we just, we were just both so tired. So between hands, we were out, you know, just trying to get nap, power napping, things like that. I, I do remember by the end, by that 10th hour, and they said, this kid needs to get out. And I will always say there was about by the, that stage four midwives or so that were around going, okay, we just going to make sure this is all good. And one of them was like Batman. She just sifted through the mist and was like, all right, this needs to come out now. Nikki, you need to get this kid out right now. And Nikki just clamped in, really pushed hard. I'm holding her hand, just trying to give her as much energy as possible. And I never saw that midwife again. She was just the midwife we needed. We're not sure if she wanted. Like, it was just amazing. I'd love that. You go to reception after the birth and you say, I'd just like to thank this midwife. And like, that midwife has been dead for 30 years. <laughs> You're like, <"Whoa." laughs> <laughs> Dave, so great to talk to you, mate. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And um, the tramping of the poo up and down the hallway is what everyone who's, if, they're, if you're expecting this, is all what you've got to look forward to. We'll do a whole episode on bath poos at one point, I'm sure. Have a cracking, cracking day, Dave. Thanks for joining us on Dad Pod, mate. <laughs> Thank you. No worries, Thanks, Doctor. Osh, uh, every week we like to induct a new dad into the Dad Bud Hall of Fame. For season three, I thought I'd take it in a different direction. And rather than going for biological fathers, we're going to go for father yes. figures. And if I was to say these simple words to you, Osh, wax on, wax oh, off. Man. Are you kidding me? Who am I talking you about? You are talking about Mr. Miyagi, the, the father figure that that I, you know, anyone of my generation certainly wanted to have. We wanted the bloke from Happy Days to teach us how to do karate. That's right. I mean, not only does he teach you kind of Eastern philosophy, he teaches you that karate is only for self-defense, but when you're getting attacked by a gang of bullies in skeleton outfits, he's going to kick the absolute shit out of them. <laughs> it's the father that we all need. Mr. Miyagi, he could teach you how to do shots of sake and tell you the greatest line. And in fact, Charlie, I'm not going to lie, it served me well through my life. Best way to win a fight is not to be there. <laughs> Osh, I've been painting my new room, uh, my studio, my new in my new house, and I have been. Mr. Miyagi's voice has been ringing through my head. I've been going up and down with the paintbrush, up and down, side to side. Side. Did you to forget side. to breathe? Even now, thirty years after he imparted his wisdom, his lessons ring true with me. Don't forget to breathe, Charlie. Don't forget to breathe, <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. Without, I don't know where we'd be without you. Welcome to the Dad Pod Hall of Fame. You're amongst great human beings and Dad Pod salutes you, sir. Well, Charlie, that's us for another episode. The Big Day Part 2 we'll do next week, which is the actual labour, the big show. We'll get into that. We'll get into what to expect. We'll get to how you can best support the mother of your child. And we'll also, hopefully, talk a little about, you know, the very real possibility that things may not go the way you want them to go because that is all a part of this magnificent, magnificent journey. If you need to find us, we're on Instagram, dadpodgram. You can always email us, askdadpod at gmail.com. But the best thing you can do for us is to let other people know about the show, either tag them in an Instagram post or share an episode with them or, you know, just uh, basically take them on a long road trip and force them to listen in the car. I think that always works. Leave a review. Oh, Why yeah, don't you do go that. to we'll iTunes and leave a review for us? Hit those five stars and leave us a review. And if you don't like it, then just bloody keep it to yourself, all right? No need to be a big mouth. 
<laughs> You're the best, Charlie. Have a fantastic week. Uh, in like live, in real life update news here at our place, our son has learned how to say and the meaning of and the reaction of the word N-O. Oh, boy. So that's where we are. <laughs> well... I'm going to leave you to deal with that. I'm just going to go upstairs, make myself some lunch and maybe catch a fly between some chopsticks. (laughs) Thank you so much, Charlie. I'll see you next week, everybody. Now go to bed.